I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Hard Run Box podcast for episode three. Yes, we are back. In today's episode, we'll be just recapping a little bit of our additional thoughts on the recent Radeon releases, so 7800 XT, 7700 XT, a few additional thoughts there. And then obviously we've been spending a bit of our time testing Starfield as well as one of the major titles. We'll be talking about things like CPU stagnation, is the game optimized, should Bethesda have made this game work on Intel Arc GPUs and things like that. So it's a pretty interesting discussion. Hopefully everyone will be on board with what we're saying and yeah, let's get into it. Well, Steve, we had a little bit of a hiatus on the podcast because of a certain someone, not not naming names, but a certain someone was feeling a little bit unwell. So how are you doing? How are you doing right now? I'm doing quite well. I, I'm I'm glad you said that, Tim. I liked how when you uh, let everyone know in Discord that I was being sick. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I, I um. As you can probably tell, my voice isn't quite back yet, but I thought we need to do a podcast episode. We only got two in and we basically cancelled the show. Uh, But yeah, yeah, had a rough run in with the flu and probably a few other things, but it was a pretty rough week there. Um, It's been about two weeks now, so I'm almost 100%. I'm pretty close. Yeah, I mean, you sound okay. Um, And it was, yeah, pretty surprising you were still able to like do all that GPU and CPU benchmarking (laughs) because there was the Starfield stuff. Obviously, you tested like... 70 different components there and then yeah, yeah. the radeon stuff as well so pretty impressive thank you yeah um, it was um it was not fun and it was not easy um yeah had a normally i don't really get sick so about a month ago balon got influenza type b got that from his girlfriend who got it at work and balon ended up in the hospital he was very ill um took him about two weeks to get back to normal uh maybe a little bit longer but yeah he got smashed by that but he ended up giving that to me uh, and he was really worried. Anyway, I got sick, uh, two days later, I was hundred percent. He couldn't believe it. He was, and I had all the same symptoms that he had. I just recovered really quickly, which has been pretty much the case all my life. I've never really been sick for like a week or so. 
Um, so yeah, and it, uh, this was apparently influenza type A, maybe strep throat. Um, there was also COVID going around. I, I don't know what I got, but uh, yeah, I the sickest I've ever been in my life. So that was not fun. Yeah, it sounded pretty brutal based on what you were saying, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, good yeah. that you're back and and healthy and well, at least on the men to, to being 100% healthy. And... I'm a lot better than I was, trust me. Like first few nights were just nothing but fevers and stuff. It was pretty brutal. And um, when I was, I remember testing the CPUs because I'd, I'd benchmark for a couple of hours and then I'd just be exhausted. Like I, I just couldn't anymore. So I'd go have a nap for an hour or two and then I'd come back to it because I can't lay in bed all day. And Balin came in on one of the afternoons and I was just like a zombie inserting CPUs. Like it was just installing, standing up to put a CPU in was very challenging. But anyway, yeah. we got there. So it was not good timing with Starfield and the new Radeon GPUs, but it's probably no great time to get sick, but I reckon that was probably one of the worst times. Yeah, I'd say so. But luckily we chose not to do the Q&A so I didn't get sick. So I can still at least do some thing, things mm. over here on my end. But, I mean, this isn't the hardware unboxed medical podcast. So, <laughs> well, so. it could be. Trust me, it could be. But poor Balin's out as well because he ended up, when yeah. he gave me influenza about a month ago, I gave him this version and, yeah, he's getting absolutely smashed by it. So poor Balin. But he'll be all right. He's he's um, I think today he's starting a we've turned the corner and you're getting like a tiny bit better each day. So I think right, by midway good. during next week, he'll be back in action. So, but yeah, we're, we're looking after Balin. All right. Yeah. Best wishes to Balin as he, as he's still recovering. I guess we should probably just get started on the stuff sure. we want to talk about, which mm-hmm. is probably mostly the Radeon releases that just came out. So mm-hmm. hopefully people listening to this podcast have seen our reviews of the RX 7800 XT and RX 7700 XT. Mm-hmm. So Steve, you did the testing. Do you want to just do like a quick recap of just the basics on how they perform? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, the 7800 XT is pretty easy to to summarize, it's basically a 6800 XT. So there's been very little improvement there. Um, I think it was about three or four FPS more on average across the 50 game, 15 games I tested for the day one review. So 700 XT, basically a 6800 XT, smidgen faster, slightly better power efficiency, uh, kind of the same for ray tracing, really. And then they've obviously reduced the MSRP to $500, which really is the saving grace of that product. If it was much more than that, it would have been a disaster. I know you and I, when we were going into the the uh, private briefing for that product, I think we both were expecting about $600. Yeah, I definitely was expecting, well, that, that was based on AMD's sort of release strategy over the mm-hmm. last little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if they'd done a, a bit better job pricing their other products and something around $500 would have been more predictable. But yeah, I was expecting like, I mean, all these companies are sort of straddling that, you know, do we price it based on the current market or based on the MSRPs of the previous product? Mm -hmm. So if the 6800 XT was $650 US, then it being similar performance, but $600, you can kind of go, okay, that's that that would sort of make sense. Now, it wouldn't have been a good product, but it sort of would have made sense, Mm -hmm. especially as it's competing with the 4070. That's right. Like the sort of you know, maybe it would have came in at $580 or something like that would have knocked off a few dollars there. But yeah, $500 was certainly much more um, Mm -hmm. acceptable. I guess the disappointing thing though is that some of their performance metrics had sort of shown it to be perhaps performing a little better relative to older AMD parts than they'd sort of shown. But then again, a lot of their comparisons were 
against the 4070, and it performed pretty well up against that part. The 7800 XT, certainly not a disaster, not terribly exciting either. It's just, I, I don't even know, does it fill a gap? It just sort of carries on what the 6800 XT is essentially already doing. It's, I think 6800 XTs are like $530 new at the moment. Um, obviously, stock's running out. It's sort of a slightly better version of what we've had for the last three years. So mm-hmm. how excited you get about that? Obviously, if you had like uh, an RDNA 2 GPU, it's pretty boring, pretty crap after three years because you're just not going to buy it. But if you're coming back from from further and, you know, people say, oh, you don't upgrade every generation. It's like, well, it really depends on how often every generation comes around. Like if it's one year, sure. But if you bought a six, I mean, admittedly, it was hard to buy a car, but let's pretend that the crypto mining thing didn't really happen and you could have bought one. Some people certainly did. If you had bought one three years ago, you're probably sitting here right now going, well, it's been three years. I wouldn't mind getting a better product, a bit more performance and yeah, I think yeah. I think refreshing your graphics card once every three years is probably quite reasonable for a lot of people and something you'd like to do. But yeah, I would have thought so. You're faced with having to spend like what eight hundred dollars or something, or at least seven hundred dollars on a seventy-nine hundred XT for an upgrade. Yeah, and I think a lot of these discussions are always about, at least the way I like to think of it, is like what is changing someone's mind between not buying and now buying. Mm-hmm. So if like a sixty-eight hundred XT at five hundred and thirty dollars wasn't really cutting it, like you're like, oh, I, I don't know, not mm. sure about that. Then the seventy-eight hundred XT. It's it's better, as you say, but it's not like a must-buy, like a game-changer. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be changing their mind and buying that card. Mm-hmm. I think it may come down a little bit more to like regional pricing. Like obviously there's going to be some regions where the card, the 6800 XT isn't the equivalent of $530 US. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of regions haven't received as good price cuts, in which case then, yeah, the 7800 XT is going to come out looking better, I would have thought. But then there's people who may be after some of the other features as well, like AV1 encoding, mm-hmm. which the 6800 XT doesn't have. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the sales look pretty good for it. Like yeah, people okay. seem to be buying it. So. Yeah, I think the best thing you, or the nicest thing you can say is that it's a viable option. Like it's a yeah. viable upgrade, whereas, you know, a $900, 7900 XT wasn't. So, yeah. And if you'd waited, it is better. So it's not like you sit, you're waiting and then you're like, oh, I want to see what this card's going to do. And then it comes out and you're like, oh, well, why did I bother waiting? Like, mm-hmm. it's not better. I may as well just abort it. It is mm-hmm. actually better. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it, it sort of makes sense. Yeah, it's marginally but, better. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the 7700 XT, I think it was reasonably clear in the news announcement that mm-hmm. that card wasn't going to be particularly attractive. Mm-hmm. And by the sounds of your review, I mean, how much, how different was it to the 7800 XT? It was more than 10%, right? Uh, yes, it was more, it was probably closer to 20. Uh, I can't remember the exact figures, somewhere around 15% slower, but then you've got like four gigabytes less VRAM and stuff like that. So really it should be, if if a 7800 XT is $500 US, which it is, it really needs to be $400. Um, it's the same situation we saw with the 7900 XT, launched at $900, really needed to be at least $800 um mm-hmm. relative to the 7900 xcx so 7700 xt kind of sucks um it's, it's, <laughs> it's an odd one isn't it because well, yeah it, it kind of undoes the 7800 the hype around the 7800 xt a bit if you know what i mean yeah like they definitely had an opportunity here to price both cards well and mm-hmm. they decided not to do that yeah i like it's just so weird like they obviously have priced it based on the compute unit count 
it does have 10% mm -hmm. fewer compute units and it comes in 10% cheaper. So mm -hmm. purely based on compute units, it's sort of like, oh, we've cut down the core by this much. So I guess it must make sense to make price it at that level. But then they reduce the VRAM by more than 10% and they reduce the memory bandwidth by more than 10%. Yeah, and the so, Infinity Cache as well. Yeah, so it, it kind of seems like maybe they didn't know, like maybe the pricing division or whoever's in charge of that only looked at the compute units or something and didn't factor in the memory bandwidth into the overall performance. Maybe they didn't know the performance tier. But then again, maybe they're trying to encourage people to buy the 7800 XT instead, like the, the whole classic upsell thing. But yep. either way, it's not. It's not a must-buy product. Yeah, and um, I've, se I've seen some AMD fans argue that compared to the 4062 Ti 16-gigabyte, even though that's been dropped down to 450 as well, that it's a really good value product compared to the GeForce competition. It's like, yeah, okay, but we've already said that the 4060 Ti 16-gigabyte is just an absolutely awful product and you shouldn't buy it. So beating that standard is not <laughs> not great, is it? It's, it's not something like, you really want to celebrate. No, it's like... Yeah, it, it, they were pretty much gifted a win there based yeah. on what NVIDIA was doing. Mm -hmm. So certainly if you're comparing AMD versus NVIDIA, you'd get a 7800 XT over a 4060 Ti if those were the two options. Or a 7700 XT over the 4060 Ti. Yes, yeah, yes. Just, yeah. yeah, you said What did I say? You said 78, but I know. What you, I, thought, I thought you meant the 77. But yeah, I did so, mean 7700, but yeah. obviously, yeah, it's competing against RX 6800 mm -hmm. and itself, mm -hmm. the 7800 XT. Yeah, makes more sense. As I said in my review, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter too much about the GeForce competition because if you're going to buy a Radeon GPU, you're not going to save fifty dollars to get a seventy-seven hundred XT. You're just going to get the seventy-eight hundred XT every time. It just makes no sense. So, yeah. your own product stack has to make sense within your own like you know product family. You can't just have a product that makes absolutely no sense that you wouldn't buy. And, you know, someone accused me of, oh, you know, Harbour Unboxers against having options. Like, it's nice to have options. It's like, we're all for options. We just want the options to make sense. And we don't, options. Want, we don't want any options to be like a trap. Like, you don't want to buy the 7700 XT thinking that you've got yourself a good product. Like, it's kind of annoying knowing that if you had to spend $50 more, you would have got, like, whatever it turns out to be around 20% more performance with more VRAM and just an overall better product. So the cost per frame is worse for the 7700 XT. Yeah. It should be better. That's that's the point. It should be better. I mean, the Radeon MSRP lineup is very strange. They've got a, a card of $1,000, $1,000, then they go down to $500, mm -hmm. then $450, then $270. Mm -hmm. It's very, very odd. Like mm. there should be much more spacing between those products. And the NVIDIA lineup, yeah, okay, people have criticized the price of NVIDIA GPUs, but at least there's a reasonable gap between each product, like 300, 400, 500, 600, 800. It, it makes a lot more sense. Um, obviously, some of those cards are bad, like they should be a lot better, but they've at least gone, we want to target these price points. And they're not sort of in that situation where, they're only within 10%. 10% uh -huh. is like you can get AIB cards that cost 10% more than the sort of base model cards. And that's always been ex accepted. Uh -huh. Like some people are willing to pay about 10% more to get like a really good quality AIB card. And yet what AMD's done is they've made two actually different GPUs within that range. Yep. So again, like most people would just spend the extra $50, which it, again, it would be different if it was a $200 card, like 200 versus $250 mm -hmm. is much more significant. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, for most people, the seventy eight hundred XT just makes sense. Yeah. Even from even from two hundred dollars to two hundred fifty dollars, it still has to be better in terms of cost per frame, like the cheaper product. Like it, yeah. it can't be worse. So while I agree with what you're saying, fifty dollars is less significant at a lower price point. You still have you, you can't you can't have a premium associated with the cheaper product if you know what I mean. Like it just it doesn't work that way. And, and where I was sort of going with AMD spoiling the launch a bit. I feel like they did undo any kind of excitement that could have been around this launch. Like I think by and large, I know a lot of people were disappointed that the 700 XT is basically a 6800 XT, but I think those that factored in the price were reasonably excited with this product given what it could have been. And I think if we had got the 7700 XT at $400, I think that package deal with the 7700 XT and the 700 XT, people would have been really excited about that and there would have been a lot so. more positive vibes around this AMD release and it would have trashed the GeForce competitors a bit more. So I think just that $50, it, it really undid what this launch could have been, in my opinion. Um, so Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, again, like this GPU generation is not being good, cool. <laughs> <laughs> to, to put it lightly. Yeah, so bad. So, you know, 7800 XT is probably still one of the better launches that we've had and again it does go up against nvidia one of nvidia's better launches in the 4070 so but yeah i mean there's a again it feels like that sort of missed opportunity they didn't really take the whole advantage that was sort of i guess given to them by nvidia <laughs> um well, is, well i mean yeah. they, i think they squandered a few opportunities with this release which we can probably get into but yeah yeah so I want to talk about, you know, is it, was it a fail for these cards to perform so closely to the RDNA 2 models? Like, should okay. they should they have just, re, like, re-released an RX 6800 in place of the 7700 XT and re-released the, the 6800 XT as the 7800 XT? Because they're, they're, they seem to be pretty close to those models. Like, isn't the 7700 XT not even more power efficient than a 6800? Like, it's basically just exactly the same. I think they're pretty close. I'd have to go check again. Um, I can actually quickly check right now for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep, yep, that's correct. Yeah, I see where you're coming at with this one. And to a degree, I think they would have been better off just... Yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, from a sales perspective, the new... You know, a new product family. I mean, you see Intel do this, like they have nothing to offer. So they're like, just call it, you know, 12th gen or whatever. I mean, they didn't do that with 12th gen, but what was that, you know, 7th, 14th gen, gen maybe? Yeah, well, <laughs> 14th gen will probably be a refresh and be very similar. But we know we've done, they've done that time and time again where they've had nothing to offer. So they've just done a, a rebrand and that's helped drive sales and stuff. So I think from, from AMD's perspective, I don't think releasing RDNA 3 and RDNA 3, it might, be a necessary technical step forward that they have to do. I don't know if they're going to abandon this approach with the GPU. So it may just be, you know, a bit of a teething problem, let's say, something they have, the step they had to take. So I think having a, a Radeon 7000 series was necessary. I think that was probably a good thing in terms of sales and that. I think, I think it just needed to be really RDNA 3 obviously didn't, uh, it, it didn't meet the targets that they were expecting it to meet. So I think that much is evident. They just needed to <laughs> execute better with these launches. Like they didn't need to have a 1700 XT at $900. That's just laughably bad. And then drop it down to $700 
less than two months later. That thing should have started. If it had have launched at $700, that would have been insane for RDNA 3. Even if it was $750, that would have been insane. Um, yeah, it would have. And and there's a few weird things about around the software stuff as well, like mm. announcing features at the launch of mm. uh, your 7900 XTX and then you launch nine months later a 7800 XT and things like FSR 3 still not available. Hyper RX was, I think, announced back then as well. It's only just come to drivers now. Not that that's a major feature, but it was still announced way back then. It's just sort of, I, I and we've talked about this before, but sort of adds to the package of weird just weird stuff going on with these launches to products priced too closely together, weird software things. Yeah. I it's mean, just odd. RDA 3 is a bit of a dud in a sense, but it's not a fail because the competition isn't really there either. Like, you know, they're competitive, especially with they're, the they're, more. They're very competitive. And yeah. while the 700 XT is pretty disappointing next to the 600 XT, given that the performance is about the same, I still think it's a worthwhile release because they've lowered the MSRP down to $500 now compared to mm-hmm. outgoing RDNA 2 stock. And that's the thing. If if they didn't have a stupid amount of RDNA 2 stock, this generation would still be a bit disappointing, but it'd be a lot better situation where you can't just go buy like an RX 6800 for $430 US or something like that or, you know. Yeah, that, that's a really key point because I think a lot of – what what would have happened under a normal condition is that a 6800 XT would have been priced at about $650 pretty much right until the end mm-hmm. of that generation. Mm-hmm. So you'd see it maybe a couple of months beforehand, they'd start doing all the, all the flash sales to sort of get those very last units out the door. But typically there wouldn't be just a whole bunch of stock lying around. There'd be like a few models left like a few years later. People would be waiting around flash sales a month before, and then the new cards would come out. And then there'd be that whole discussion of, well, the 6800 XT was only $650 like three months ago, and now we've got this new card at $500 that offers similar performance. And yeah, you could have bought uh, one of the older models on a flash sale, but that's a flash sale. Mm-hmm. Whereas the current thinking is more like, well, the 6800 XT has slowly been dropping in price over the last year. Like it wasn't $650 three months ago. It was well below that. Mm-hmm. So it kind of creates that whole, and I think both companies, NVIDIA and AMD, have struggled sort of dealing with that situation where normally they'd just be able to compare it directly to the old MSRP. They're sort of, yeah, straddling both things. So, yeah, if, if the 6800 XT was still $650, then this release comparatively would have been like a very, very exciting, I would have thought. Well, that's right, because the 7800 XT delivered in my 15-game uh, sample the exact same performance as the RTX 3080. And there are a couple of ray tracing titles in there, but that's not the pure ray tracing data, but it's, it's mostly raster with some ray tracing. But you're looking at 3080 performance for $200 less. Now, after three years, again, that's not going to blow your socks off. It's not amazing, but that's still a nice step forward. You're getting you know RTX 3080 performance for $500, whereas previously that was 3070 performance. Uh, and the 700 XT buries the 3070. You get twice as much VRAM and it's a good bit faster. So, yeah, when comparing MSRPs, it is a it is a reasonable step forward. Again, I'm not saying it's an amazing generation or anything like that, but it when if everything was available at the MSRP, then it would be a nice little step forward, except 
they're not. So that that's what's made it. I think we won't see those mistakes repeated. Mm. I think it'll, we'll be back to sort of more of a normal release where these mm-hmm. cards, I mean, A&E's obviously had to adjust their pricing to be where, where it should have been. Mm-hmm. But I would expect that NVIDIA is going to do very little price correction and it will just be when the next card's ready, suddenly cards will drop in price a little bit, then the new cards will launch and there won't be this big backlog of, of stock. I can't imagine that they're flooding the market with these. No, and the other compounding effect that this has had is the fact that it's like nine months late so the next generation we should get you know the flagship or near enough to the flagship and then a month later another gpu and a month later another gpu and a couple of months out and all the gpus are launched not dragging out over basically a year which is what we've been faced with uh rdna3 at least so i'd be interested to know how much the cards cost to manufacture Mm. um because you know we've seen that the performance isn't hugely better over rdna2 within the same sort of again it is a little cheaper based on msrp but similar mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. sort of a, a current pricing you know they, they've obviously gone with this chiplet design with the memory stuff based on the older node the the graphic stuff on the newer node so there's going to be obviously for the same sort of die space the five nanometer manufacturing or is it four nanometer either way it's a combination but go on yeah so i think the 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 newer node manufacturing, obviously for that same sort of die space would have been much more expensive. They've gone with this sort of split. RDNA 2 has obviously become a bit cheaper as well. You know, you'd be hoping that something like a 7800 XT, even though it is cheaper, is still c- quite a bit more cost effective to manufacture. You wouldn't want to just be producing a car that's basically the same in performance mm-hmm. that isn't significantly cheaper to manufacture otherwise you would have just refreshed the old model like there'd been just yeah. nothing to gain there it would have been like what intel was it the 11th gen where they did the whole backporting of the architecture yep and then it was a bit of a disaster like didn't really offer anything um yeah so. i mean e- ian cutress made the uh the argument that you know they learnt stuff there and it was you know I don't necessarily agree with that take. I feel like they could have learnt those things without necessarily having to release a garbage product. But I think mm-hmm. I, I think that approach or that argument applies probably more to RDNA 3. I think yes. that they really did need to produce RDNA 3 to learn what they've learned and hopefully be able to move forward with the chiplet approach for GPUs. So like I said, it could be just, you know, it didn't work out as well as they were hoping, some teething issues. Hopefully it's something that they can do a lot better with moving forward but yeah well that that all remains to be seen of course yeah i mean games are much more complicated than um not necessarily complicated obviously cpu tasks are also complicated Mm. but there's a much more variety of of game issues i guess is probably the way to put it that you need to sort of iron out for your architecture and yeah i I think that it probably was good for amd to learn those lessons about the chiplet Mm -hmm. design and sort of look at, oh, yeah, you know, modern games are doing this and this and, you know, we can't do as well in certain areas as we were hoping because of various different reasons. And then they can, you know, they can learn the lessons across thousands of games and thousands of workloads and then put that into future generations. Yep. Um, whereas, yeah, the CPU side of things, especially because I think the Intel thing was just backporting basically the same architecture. Mm-hmm. So they, they probably didn't learn as much there and 12th gen was so much better as well so they should have delayed till 12th gen yes yeah so that was sort of a bit of a whiplash sort of thing there you release one not so good generation Mm -hmm. then suddenly it's a lot better than next gen Mm -hmm. um the other thing that i think you'd sort of flag was talking about amd's involvement here with starfield in this launch Mm -hmm. 
the 7800 XT and 7700 XT perform pretty well in staff build. Well, you um, wouldn't know. Do, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's you, right. You, you're right. Um, I was busy benchmarking Starfield while I was sick as a dog, and I benchmarked the 7800 XT and 7700 XT. I was like, wow, relative to the GeForce GPUs, these things look amazing. And I actually tested them. They're amongst the first GPUs I did test because I'd just finished reviewing them. So they were already in the test system. So benchmarked them, got the results, added them to Excel, knowing that I'd have to remove them. And then tested a heap of GeForce GPUs and I was blown away by how good the 7800 XT looks. And I thought, this is crazy. It's This is coming out quite literally days before the, re- the reviews for the 7700 XT and 7800 XT. And this is what, one of the biggest game releases of the year, probably the most hyped game release, I think. I mean, there's Boulder's yes. Gate, but I think it was, I think Starfield was probably more hyped. Um, definitely more hyped. I think Boulder's <laughs> Gate's probably similar in terms of players, in terms yeah. of the amount of people playing oh, it, but yeah. definitely Huge, in terms of hype. Hugely successful yeah. game, Boulder's Gate 3, no doubt. But regardless, Starfield, very hyped, very anticipated, and everyone was looking for benchmark f- numbers, and, and basically everyone was doing them. You know, we saw Gamers Nexus, and all of the established tech sites did it and there was plenty of guys on YouTube putting out numbers as well. So it was probably the most, I think it's fair to say, probably the most benchmarked game we've seen since maybe like Cyberpunk. Um, I would have thought so, yeah. yep. And these new GPUs that do super well that were days away from release were featured in none of that content. That is crazy to me. I mean... If I'm yeah. AMD, I'm sitting there going, either tell reviewers globally that the only game that they can be benchmarked in is Starfield. Because look, to, to give the audience <laughs> a bit of uh, context here, we, and I think pretty much all other reviewers, had these GPUs, these graphics cards in hand for about two weeks before the release of Starfield. And then we had a, a, a driver that worked in Starfield about a week before Starfield was released for, for these graphics cards. Yeah. So we had everything we needed well before St- Starfield, at least the early access version of Starfield, which is what everyone benchmarked. We had it all there. So AMD either needed to pull the release forward um, and just say, you know, it's, it's not a paper launch, it's just early access. The actual on-shelf available date is what it is, which was the, what was it, the sixth or something. Yeah. Uh, and and show and like how much how much publicity how much marketing would that generate for these products? Like I'm not going to make a recommendation for a GPU based on one game, but if you're pumped to play Starfield and you want to get the best value GPU and you're looking at an upgrade, it's like the 7800 XT would be it surely. Yeah, it's a bit of a misstep there, uh, and certainly I think in particular because of how demanding Starfield is mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people are going to be thinking about upgrading. Maybe it's not, as you say, you shouldn't really buy a new GPU based on one mm-hmm. game, but this could be the tipping point for a lot of people like, oh, yeah, whatever I've got now sort of showing its age a little bit in games. Obviously, games are getting more intensive and Starfield was the game I wanted to play this year and suddenly my RTX 3070 or whatever I've got, you know, in sort of that $500 price category, it could be like RTX 2070, yeah, is like it could even be not, a twenty sixty. Like, yeah, you know. it's like uh, it's not really cutting it anymore. You know, I'm now relegated to ten eighty p medium settings in Starfield or whatever. Let's see what I can, what makes the most sense for me. And yeah, they've sort of 
AMD's just totally omitted <laughs> the 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 GPU that will be available in a few days for people to buy to play this game. And I, I guess like, yeah, the the benchmark numbers did have like a 6800 XT in them and so on, but we couldn't tell people that a 7800 XT equals a 6800 XT. It's like we could say nothing. So there's really no, mm-hmm. we really can't go and just start recommending those products. It, it has to be hidden. It has to be you know, under NDA, which is, of course, how it works. So, yeah, it seems like a bit of a misstep there, especially because Starfield being an AMD-sponsored title, they would have been, I would have imagined, quite well aware of how the game runs on their own products. So you would have thought that they'd be all over this. Like they would know our cards perform really well in this title. Mm -hmm. We've done all these optimizations. This is our, you know, it's bundled with, like you get Starfield when you buy a 7800 XT. It's mm-hmm. like a game bundle. So I would have thought that, yeah, it would have been the obvious move to sort of allow reviews on September 1st or around there to mm-hmm. sort of to allow people to play the game. Like it, maybe it could have been like a day later or something, but at least within <sighs> that early access period. It should have been included. Like it should have been included in our GPU content. It should have been included in Gamers Nexus. It's, it's a big oversight. And I would be, I don't know, sort of mixed feelings. Like I wouldn't be that keen to showcase it for the first time in a single game that's the best case. Like I don't yeah, even I don't even know if I'd ideal. want to do that. But I'm not I'm not saying what I would want to do or I should do. I'm saying this is what AMD should have done. Like if they have any sense, yes. that's what they should have done. And yeah. we would have had to work out how we manage that. Like we go, okay, guys, we've tested this one game, um, but this is probably a best case scenario for this product or, or given some kind of disclaimer. If, if we went ahead and did that, I mean, I, the, I best, thought- the best solution would have been to bring the reviews forward, right? Have the reviews launch just like days before the Starfield early access then you can show them in Starfield days later. That's how they should have done it. Yes, that's definitely how they should have done it. Yeah, the early access thing, I agree with you. I don't think, as in early access for the reviews, as in having you, you're able to test this one game. I, I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't mm-hmm. think that would have gone down well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the reviews for this card should have gone out on August 30th or 31st or September 1st. Because um, obviously people, you know, takes a while to benchmark Starfield, right? But at least then there's that the opportunity for for people to have done that. So yeah, it's a bit bit of a bit of a, a misstep there from from AMD. Um, and I think that's probably more significant than you, you know. I, I saw around the launch things like oh, you know, FSR three is coming to Forspoken first, not Starfield. You know, isn't uh-huh. that a bit a bit bizarre? I mean, it doesn't sound like FSR three would have been ready in time for Starfield. It's like still seems to be at least a couple of weeks away. But this definitely was more of a blunder in terms of, yeah, just missing missing that opportunity. So, I mean, from where I'm sitting, it just seemed like such an easy thing to execute correctly on. Like, like I said, it wasn't like, oh, it's a situation where the cards just weren't ready. Like we were just a few days late. We just couldn't get the cards to reviewers in time. It's like I had the cards sitting on my desk for at least two weeks before the game was released had a driver in hand a week before like it was I, I ended up testing it like i had it in excel like but i had to delete it so very yeah. very strange so yeah i think i think that was a, a blunder for sure 
a massive marketing opportunity missed. And yeah, now none of that Starfield content has the 700 XT in it and basically none of it will. Like moving forward, we'll start testing with Starfield and you'll you'll see the 700 XT eventually in that. And if people listening are like, well, why didn't reviewers include Starfield in their day one reviews? The reason is like you don't usually include brand new titles like that because we've got like 12, 13, 14, 15 other GPUs for comparative data. So that's a lot of extra testing. And then I'm not a big fan of chucking, like injecting newly released games into reviews where we're trying to tell you how they compare because, you know, newly released games get patches which change performance. They fix and address performance issues. NVIDIA might have a driver coming out soon that greatly improves GeForce performance in a given title. So it, I just I like to have more established games. I, I like the game to have been on the market for at least a couple of months because that's sort of fair game at that point. Everyone's had a bit of a chance to address any performance-related issues and it's sort of an even playing field yeah. at that point. But you know, you, we've seen games that come out and Radeon performance is nowhere and then it gets fixed a month later or you know, GeForce performance is nowhere and it gets fixed or the game is just really inconsistent and that gets fixed. So that's why we don't just go, oh, new game, chuck that in the review. Um, I mean, with 15 games, it's probably not going to skew the data too much, but we, yeah. that's, just, that's just how we go about it. I have got a few other topics here relating to the game Starfield that aren't <laughs> AMD Radeon related because obviously this is what we've been spending the majority of our time across the last week has been Radeon reviews and Starfield. So let's talk mm -hmm. about Starfield. Um, I think this has been a very interesting game release just from the reaction from people in the comments and just online in general. It seems to be that everyone who's actually playing the game and has left Steam reviews and has been putting in hours is saying that this is a really enjoyable game. Mm -hmm. But then you go to our comment section on our videos and it's like, this is the worst game ever released in terms of its performance and optimization and things like that. So mm -hmm. I guess I just wanted to start by talking about the optimization in Starfield. Do you think, based on the testing that we've done and things that we've seen, that the game is badly optimized as people Oof. are saying in the comments oh god um optimization the old the old classic buzzword performance is definitely not as consistent across the game as i'd like it to be there's areas where it's just tanks for no apparent reason and then there's other areas where the performance is quite good uh, it, it, it's a tough one the optimization thing and is Starfield a game that needs to be played at more than 60 FPS? I mean, personally, I would like to play all games at around the 90 FPS, which is what I've talked about before. I guess, do we need 144 FPS or more? Do you need that playing Starfield? I don't think so. It's hard for me to comment, though, because I'm not a big Starfield fan. Like, it's not... I, I played it for a few hours just so I could get an idea of the game and, and give sort of a somewhat competent <laughs> analysis of the game, but... It's not for me. It's way too slow paced. Um, just not the style of game that I enjoy at all. It's it, it's hard for me to comment on what you need to enjoy that game and play it. But I, I've certainly I think noticed 60 that, FPS is fair. Yeah, and to get 60 FPS is not the easiest task in the world in that game. You certainly do need high-end hardware. It doesn't scale that well when lowering a lot of the quality settings because of either CPU limits or just some of the settings just don't scale that well. I don't think it's a complete disaster, but I think the game could be improved, but pretty well say that about anything, I suppose. There's always room for improvement. I guess we'll see how they go over the next few months with the game and if there's any 
major improvements because if they managed to improve performance quite considerably, then yeah, the game wasn't that well optimized. Yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one because uh, mm. I think I've said in the past, I think optimization is thrown around too often as Ooh. sort of a, this game is badly optimized is sort of like, mm. it's just like a, I don't know, it's like a buzz comment that people mm -hmm. love to throw around for everything, even if, like, the classic one is comparing games like Forza Horizon to, like, an open-world RPG title, mm -hmm. where it's like Forza Horizon has, <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's an open-world game, but it's not doing anywhere near as much as a mm -hmm. title like Starfield. So people say, oh, yeah, I was playing Forza Horizon. It looks great, and the, the visuals are super impressive. It runs really well. Why can't Starfield run like that game? It's like, well, they're just... It's not even close in terms of the levels of systems and, and things that the game is trying to do. I think that, you know, the classic thing would be sort of the visuals to performance ratio, like how good are things like geometry and textures and lighting compared to other games as in terms of how it runs on GPUs. And I think Starfield is pretty heavy um, compared to that sort of visuals to performance ratio is certainly not amazing. But it does, like, it does differ substantially between areas in the game, mm -hmm. like, the, the areas that are more handcrafted, so obviously there's lots of planets and stuff that appear to be, I would say, mostly procedurally generated. Mm -hmm. Those, the performance could be all over the place there. In a lot of the more, I don't know, yeah, just like handcrafted areas, the game can look pretty good. Mm. Like certainly there, it's not like it's a bad looking game. I know people are going to throw up, you know, people have thrown up screenshots of like NPCs looking real ugly and like, we showed some examples in our video of there are some textures in the game that are not very good. But in general, having now played a fair, not a fair bit, I'm very early in the game still in my personal playthrough, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of scenes that, that do genuinely look pretty good. Mm. I, think, I think with this title, what the game is trying to do in terms of its gameplay and systems and things, you know, there's only so many developer resources that, can go around so it's kind of like do you try get the game working you know well as in limited bugs if you have good hardware it does run it like i'm using on a 7800x 3d and a 4090 which is certainly top-end hardware but it does run very well on that sort mm -hmm. of system you know they're trying to they're trying to balance like how much can we do in the game versus how good we get the performance levels to mm -hmm. and it's clear that with bethesda game studios they've they've taken the slider and they've put it maximum into game plan systems and sort of minimum in the sort of let's get this running on potato level PC hardware. Yeah, which which I guess suggests that there is, a, you you would think based on that there's room for optimization. And if they put the yeah. time and energy into it, they will be able to improve performance over the coming weeks and months. I would say so. Yeah, like there's, I think there's definitely room for improvement. But at the same time, I think that the way that they've approached the game is not necessarily bad either in terms of you know trying to make the game as ambitious and fun to play as possible and then sort of leaving the performance stuff for later like you've if you've only got so many resources and you have to allocate it to different areas throughout your game development it's sort of you know i'm sure a lot of people would prefer the game itself to be good as opposed to just the technical side of things there's plenty of games out there that are technically quite good but are just no fun to play at all mm. And I would certainly like, it sounds bad to sit here saying like they should make the game run badly on PC to make the game good. But I, I guess I'd prefer that. Obviously the ideal solution would be to have all areas mm -hmm. up to scratch and, and running really well and nicely at launch. But, you know, 
Yeah, Does I that think, mean delaying the game or making it more expensive or reducing the gameplay elements? It's yeah, no, I think you're right. Like if if a game is you know looks amazing and and plays at reasonable frame rates, but it's loaded with bugs and crashes a lot or has that that's sort of game breaking and you can't enjoy the game. But if it just plays at lowish frame rates, but you know doesn't crash. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's people who've had Starfield crash, but I tested the crap out of it and didn't have it crash once. Um, mm-hmm. Then yeah, I think that's that's more salvageable, right? If you've got a game that's just not fun yep. to play, it's kind of a showstopper. If it just needs performance yep. improved a bit, then you know maybe that can happen over time. Or if you love the game so much and you want to invest time in it, then you just upgrade your hardware. Yeah, and I think there's different differing levels of low performance as well. Like low performance that's smooth, consistent, is bug-free and doesn't crash is a lot better than low performance but also has massive traversal stutter, it crashes. Like if I compare a game like Starfield to say Star Wars Jedi Survivor at launch, for example, these are both games that I did play at launch. I've played through the whole of Jedi Survivor actually just around the, the launch time. Jedi Survivor, I would say, is a much more poorly optimized title on PC than Starfield, even though it does run better. And that's because uh, Jedi Survivor had much more traversal start and I was running on a pretty high-end system and it crashed a lot, especially in the later parts of the game for me. Mm -hmm. So like the second half, there was some major, quite difficult battles like against bosses and things and it would just crash like constantly for me and to me that's a much more frustrating experience than a game that just i don't know doesn't quite run at 90 or 100 fps and as you say with starfield i haven't really run into too many issues with traversal stutter or stuttering in general or crashes Mm -hmm. and yeah if you run on a 2600x there's going to be more performance issues as we saw in terms of stuttering and things like that but Generally on the higher end to mid-range CPUs, it's not really going to be too much of an issue. People say the loading screens are annoying. It loads pretty fast for me on my system. That's certainly better than having traversal stutter. So I think, yeah, I think in terms of optimization, there's just so many different areas that you can look at. Mm-hmm. And I would certainly prefer the way Starfood has launched to some games where it's just a mess in terms of stuttering and crashing. Another thing that I thought would, is interesting is obviously it's a very CPU heavy game. Um, and a lot of people who seem to be struggling playing this game, and not just Starfield, but other titles that have come out this year, games like The Last of Us, Jedi Survivor again, which you know these are CPU-demanding games in some areas, seems like a lot of people are using older CPUs to play these games and then complaining about performance. Of course, it's fine to use an older CPU, but it seems like, I guess I'm noticing it a bit more that maybe there's still this attitude and approach that like we're still in the Intel stagnation era for mm-hmm. CPUs where you could buy a CPU and use it for seven, eight years and it's still going to be pretty close to a top-tier modern CPU for gaming performance. Whereas these days the improvements we've had over seven or eight years has been enormous. Mm. And it seems like there's people who... Are still, are still using fairly old CPUs and are still in sort of that older, I don't know, I don't know what you'd call it, like a mindset or something that CPU performance isn't as important of an area to upgrade in terms of your system. Whereas it seems that games these days, you know, we're getting to the point where you have to be upgrading your CPU a lot more often. Would you sort of agree with, with that? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I, again, it depends on the games you play. And I think it's probably a situation where a lot of these gamers who are on really old 
Ryzen CPUs or older Intel CPUs have been playing games like, I don't know, Forza Horizon 5, for example, not necessarily racing games, but games that you utilize the CPU to a much lesser degree. Like you can play, I think you can play Forza Horizon 5 on a half decent dual core. Like it, it, it doesn't yeah. require much CPU processing power at all. And like, I think that's probably true of the majority of games still, but yeah, we are getting these sort of next generation games that are leaning on the CPU much more heavily than games that, or at least the majority of the games we've seen released over the last you know five years. So I think that's a big factor, but of course there are still new games coming out that aren't nearly as CPU heavy as like a Starfield. So yeah, it really depends on the games you're playing and I guess, well, Starfield, there's really no way around it, is there? Like some of the games you can do, turn down some settings and it it releases the CPU load a bit, but Starfield isn't one of those games. It's, it's pretty heavy. I mean, you do see an improvement, but it's not drastic. I think the baseline being quite high in terms of like what's the minimum spec that you need for 60 FPS is certainly mm. it's pretty it's pretty demanding yep. in terms of Starfield. But I think the difference between like a Zen 2 CPU or a Zen Plus CPU and a Zen 4 CPU in terms oh, of gaming performance yeah, yeah. is still massive. It's pretty massive these days. And I think that holds true for a lot of other titles. And it is, especially if you've got higher end hardware, like a 4080. 4090, 7900 XTX. It, there are certainly games where you can be CPU limited, even playing at good quality settings, mm-hmm. good resolutions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think maybe we're approaching the time when people should be thinking of upgrading their CPU a little bit more often than perhaps they were used to a decade ago. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, where that's like a fully formed thought yet, where that's really shown in uh, games yet, but it seems to be heading that way. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I mean, the good news is CPUs are so cheap now, especially yeah. relative to GPUs. Like you, you can buy like a, a thing like a Ryzen 7 7700, that's pretty cheap these days. And that's as good or better than a 5800X3D, which you know, they're, they're also cheap. But you, you can get motherboard memory and CPU combo very cheap these days. Ryzen 5 7600 I just looked at was $227 on mm. Newegg at the moment, which is pretty, like, especially if you'd come from a, a Zen 2 CPU, for example, and you're playing Starfield, like it it's could massive upgrade. 50% plus faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can get an AM5 board pretty cheap. DDR5's drop right down now. So that's a, and that's just a good overall system upgrade like you'll notice that performance improvement just in sort of more general computing not just gaming Mm -hmm. so it's definitely worth looking at doing rather than trying to pump all your money into a gpu upgrade if you've got an older cpu that is because it yeah it it certainly seems to be the case that a lot of these new next generation games are going to be leaning on your cpu much more heavily than what you're probably used to yeah, we'll see how that goes with some of the other titles that are sort of coming out throughout the remainder of this year. We're still obviously as well very early with Unreal Engine 5 games. There's not heaps of examples right now. So we'll see how that goes. I, I would imagine that, again, this is going to keep coming up mm-hmm. as we get more titles u- utilizing these modern game engines that the CPU demands is going to be the case that your five-year-old parts may not deliver the level of performance that you're hoping for, especially if you've done the t- the classic min-max thing where you've sort of gone the mid-range or cheaper r- route for your CPU and then your GPU is like very powerful. I, I think that sort of combination isn't going to be as viable moving forward as it might have been previously. Another thing I found interesting was 
the Bethesda coming out and saying that the Intel Arc A770 <laughs> is below the minimum spec for the game. Obviously, the, uh, the minimum spec for Starfield, I think, is a GTX 1070 or something like that, RX 5700. It's, it's pretty low. And obviously, Intel drivers were broken at launch as well. Uh-huh. And this brings up my my question here to you, and maybe just a bit of a discussion is, is Bethesda required to optimize Starfield for Intel or is it more on Intel? Like who is more to blame for this situation? Is it Bethesda for saying the Arc 7, A770 is below minimum spec, we're not going to bother with it? Or is it more on Intel for not doing their software integration work that you see from AMD and NVIDIA? To be clear, I don't think Bethesda officially said that. I believe it That's was true. one of their tech support people online. Yep. Um, so it's not an official uh, statement. I'm sure that'll probably get walked back and maybe an apology <laughs> will be issued. Yeah, but- it was funny to see though, because <laughs> it's obviously not actually true in terms of the performance class of that card. But yeah. Yes, that's right. Uh, but obviously in it's it's primarily on Intel. They've sold you the product. They've They've got your money for the thing. So really it's on them to do the legwork to make sure that it's supported in games, whether that's, you know, touching base with developers for upcoming games. I mean, Starfield wasn't like, well, where'd this game come from? No one's heard of this thing. Uh, They probably should have been all over that well in advance. So that's kind of an Intel dropping the ball thing there. And then Bethesda, they don't like, if, if a good percentage of their player base was using Arc GPUs, then yeah, they would have a different sort of take on that. And they'd be much more proactive in making sure that it works and probably you know, getting Intel on the phone and going, hey, we've got to make sure that your GPUs work. But I don't think the um, the Arc share is that significant. So they're just like, eh, that's an Intel problem. <laughs> that's a you problem moving yeah. on. Yeah, I'd say that you know, it comes back to sort of the developer resource argument. I think it's pretty, un- like I've seen some unfair takes towards Bethesda in terms of like they should be required to develop this game to run on Arc GPUs and things like that. Again, mm. it's all it's all about sort of the developer resources and the knobs that they can pull. Like if they've only got so much time and money on the game, then a, a GPU series that is very low in terms of player count and player base is probably not something that's going to, you know, take up too much time and attention from them. Like there certainly would be more into prioritizing gameplay game systems getting it working across the majority as you said of the of the gpus out there which are primarily going to be nvidia gpus and then to a lesser extent amd gpus but even then amd radeon market share is like well ahead of arc even though radeon isn't exactly in the Mm -hmm. the dominant position so you can sort of see why a game developer with those limited resources is not going to be addressing cards that aren't really being used and it's the same reason why gpus that are much older now are not being optimized for because the amount of people with like a let's say a gtx 970 for example which was a very popular gpu when it launched however long it was a a long time ago now um you know that they're just not used anymore so bethesda is not going to go and be like we need to get this running on that sort of gpu now an a770 is a lot faster so there's obviously a difference there but yeah I, I agree with you that i think it's primarily on intel in terms of it, their developer relations and things mm-hmm. now hopefully there's been no contractual funniness going on that sort of prevented intel from i'm not, not suggesting for a moment that there is but you know it is a bit bizarre to me that the game there wasn't like a 
a launch day driver for Arc that was at least very functional in the game. I, I would have thought that Intel would have been all over it, but obviously there's been a few issues there. So, so the final thing that I wanted to to talk about with Starfield is obviously the AMD DLSS Nvidia <laughs> situation. We have to end the podcast, Tim. I can't go on my. My voice is spent. Can we just cancel it? Can we can we do it there? I'm out. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. <laughs> no, <laughs> we won't. We'll talk about this because it's fine. We'll do it. We'll do it. I don't know if we've seen comments or anything, but you know, obviously, we made a video about this sort of situation. It's probably good to sort of follow it up mm-hmm. in the podcast. So, I guess the update since we made that video is that AMD has come out. I think one of their executives came out and said that they do give Bethesda their full support to put DLSS into Starfield and sort of finally have given sort of a statement on whether they do or do not block uh, DLSS integration into uh, games. They sort of come out now and said that they aren't doing that, um, which would have been nice to get that answer eight weeks prior when I had asked. Um, And certainly it's good to see AMD's now putting that stance out there. I think that sets the scene for at least sponsored games moving forward that from NVIDIA and AMD, they've now actually said that this is possible across all games. So we should be seeing more titles integrating this. And I think it should be provided that both companies continue on this path and they don't start reverting back to any potential previous contracts that, you know, it'll be more on game developers to do this now. But I still think that the timeline that we're seeing for this is still suspicious is pro- probably the best way of putting it. The, the, the whole situation, it doesn't, it still doesn't hundred percent add up to me. Yes. Yeah, so I think it's probably worth summarizing your video a bit in the sense that I, it was more, at least in my opinion, that it was your opinion as in, you said that, that it was likely they were doing this. Uh, and you know, you gave your reasons. There was some evidence, AMD just like, failing to comment at all so it was all a bit weird so based on the information you could gather in your research for that video it seemed likely that they were blocking or limiting the use of dlss in their sponsored titles but you couldn't say for sure that was going on so the section of the video where you gave your own personal opinion you said it's likely but then you gave all the other information and so and then I think basically the the focus of your video, or at least what you were trying to get across, was the fact that it was just very poorly handled by AMD. Like they should have just come out straight away and said, you know, we're not blocking DLSS. If that's indeed the case, that should be very easy to just state. And that's that was your point. Your point was just that, like, it seems likely because they can't do that, they're doing that. <laughs> and it's just so poorly handled from a marketing PR perspective. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think, you know, now that we've sort of got an answer to this in the way that they've answered it, it's like if if this was the case the whole time, as in they haven't gone back and updated contracts or looked into it and, and amended some things, then they should have said that straight away. Like <laughs> there's really no reason why they couldn't have. Now, Andy would probably come out and say, well, we had to review things internally. I'm not really buying that it would take eight weeks to do that. So they certainly needed to have come out and said at the time that they, you know, and that was part of the video was sort of like, you need to improve marketing at AMD. These are things that are an easy targets and things that could very quickly and easily be resolved. And I was willing to give 
the company an opportunity to do that as we would with any company to you know provide a response sort of here's this hot topic that people are talking about and this criticism is there anything you wanted to say that was sort of what the the sort of angle that I was going to AMD with and then the other alternative is obviously that if they were doing this we wanted to bring awareness to it so that for future games and future titles that maybe things would change and it seems like there potentially has been some change games like Jedi Survivor which was an AMD sponsored title does now integrate DLSS and it seems that the platform is now set for the future that people are aware of this and games that are coming up are going to hopefully integrate all all technologies. So that's sort of what the video is about, about let's let's bring awareness, let's change things to the future so that all gamers can benefit and let's, you know, sort of look at AMD's marketing and sort of point to an area where they definitely can improve. Looking across the whole timeline of events that has been happened, I think it's still, there's still some questions that I would love to get AMD's answer on such as you know has anything changed between our initial video and the statement in that eight weeks were things revised i still think it's reasonably suspicious i'm not saying that i have any inside information to say that things did change or that things have happened one way or or another i i don't know i don't know is probably the best way to put that but certainly the timeline is not Again, it makes AMD's marketing look bad. It makes them look suspicious that things have changed. And the better way to have handled this, as we've said, would have been to clear the clear the message, clear the table at the start, put everything out there and sort of say, we're not doing this. This is very much on partners and things to sort of work on. And maybe originally AMD didn't want to burn Bethesda by saying, this is not, you know, we're not doing this. And it's actually Bethesda's fault for... <laughs> not integrating DLSS because they've just partnered on the game, right? Like they don't want to go around saying, yeah, but that's 100% of Bethesda. They're actually not great at doing those sorts of things and that's on them. But then they've come out and they've done that anyway. Yeah, like that's they also, literally did that eight weeks later. That's also BS anyway because they don't need to even mention Bethesda. They, all they have to say is, uh, no, that is inaccurate reporting. We are not blocking DLSS. NVIDIA is free to work with any developer they choose and integrate DLSS into a title. If, if if that was the actual truth, that is what you would say. If you can't say that, it strongly suggests that that is not the truth. And like, I'll, I'll ask you, why, why does Starfield not have official DLSS support? Like, wh what could the reason be? Yeah, I mean... A AMD fans will be like, oh, because it's hard to implement, yet some random community member, multiple of them were able to do it day one. <laughs> it can't be that hard. I think that question could be answered from any number of like your predisposition as a fan of either company is going to answer that question mm -hmm. in terms of the way that you would answer it. Mm -hmm. Like you could say it's NVIDIA's fault because NVIDIA should be putting DLSS into games. They've sold you on DLSS, so they need to be putting the work in. And mm -hmm. then Which I'd if agree you're more with. of which is a valid point, of course. Mm -hmm. Now, you could then be more in the NVIDIA camp and say, well, it, the timeline here is looking pretty suspicious. It seems like the integration with FSR into Beth Bethesda's game has sort of been the focus here and potentially NVIDIA didn't get the chance to integrate it. Which I also it. agree with. <laughs> and then there's the other angle where you could be a fan of neither company and put it all on Bethesda by saying, well, Starfield doesn't include some features that I think would be pretty basic inclusions for a PC <laughs> game, such as HDR support, FOV sliders, um, gamma sliders, things like that. So potentially 
neither company has been able to get around this and they're just hasn't done a particularly great job of integrating these PC features. So there's many different angles here to this sort of I mean, there's the potential question. for just about all of those things to be true simultaneously. I think it is probably a combination of all these factors and we'll never really know mm. what was the dominant factor. Like, was the contract amended or adjusted after community feedback? Was NVIDIA slacking and not doing this? Um, certainly I would think that a game that relies so heavily on upscaling across its presets, you'd think that with the target market of RTX GPUs and the amount of people that will be playing this on a GeForce card, that if upscaling was a focus of your optimization, that you would want the best upscaling technology featured in the game. I had personally, I've been playing the game with the DLSS mods. And in my opinion, DLSS does make in this title, a notable in increase to visual quality. I would say it is better than native. The native TAA implementation is not amazing and obviously FSR2 has its issues. Now I'm playing at a 1440p class resolution. So at 4K, I thought it was a little better that doing the optimization guides, FSR was a little bit more playable in that sort of scenario. For me though, DLSS is providing a notable gain. So I would have thought that, again, producing a game with upscaling technology that you'd probably want to be integrating things like that. But again, it's these things are so complicated right? Like there's so many different factors that go into these things. And I think just hopefully moving forward, we're now in a position where people are aware of this game developers, AMD, NVIDIA, well, hopefully everyone's on the same page in terms of these features should be in all games. We shouldn't be restricting any of these features. Everyone should be working towards the final goal, which is putting in the best technologies for all of the gamers into all games, no holds barred, everything should be on the table and possible. And sorry, as I say, especially when it's a reasonable inclusion. Like if if someone if if the community can add it within a day or two of the game being released, then there's no excuse for it not to be there from the developer. Yes, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, there's gonna be some games where there's much more limited resources available, especially indie titles might you know i don't think we've ever really criticized or anyone should be criticizing smaller titles for only integrating mm -hmm. one technology and we've seen some games do do that either whether it's dlss or fsr or whatever that's not really the issue i think it's mainly for the AAA titles where clearly starfield has had significant development re resources allocated to it like this game would have cost hundreds of millions of dollars to make that these features probably should be in there. Do you think if Bethesda reached out to NVIDIA and said, oh, we want to make sure that DLSS is included in our game for RTX owners, like what is NVIDIA going to be like, oh, nah, not this week, like we're busy. Nah, we're, we're, yeah. we're allocating our resources somewhere else. I, I find that very hard yeah. to believe. Yeah, they're like Starfield, never heard of it. <laughs> it's like, like we'll, we'll put in all of our effort to integrate DLSS into another Bethesda game in, in Redfall, which was yeah. very poorly received, but Starfield, no, no, no. Nah, no. Not, not interested, guys. Thanks for reaching out, but nah, I don't want to do it. Like, No, so, sorry, you, sorry, we're mandating that we've got to put, you've got to put the DLSS logo in the splash screen and because of the, your contractual agreement with AMD or whatever, mm. we're just not able. Deal breaker. That's, the, that's a deal breaker. We're not going yeah, to done. adjust the terms of the agreement or anything yeah. and, and, yep. and Ben thinks that we're not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, we're, so, we're not interested in one of the biggest games of the year. Sorry. Maybe was never the case that AMD was was blocking DLSS in games and maybe they weren't doing it and we say it's likely and it actually turns out to be wrong. We'll cop that, we'll own that, but hopefully that that reporting has made some changes, that that opinion piece has sort of shaken things up a little bit and has led to some, 
yeah, just some discussion around it and better games for for gamers in the future. That was sort of the point of the video and hopefully that that has led to that because you don't want to just be sitting here making videos where you're just shooting your guns off, criticizing people and blasting people for, for no reason. Like we make these videos so that the experience for gamers is better and hopefully that's well, happened. So Yeah, well, yeah. I'm still the likely stance. So whether that upsets people or what, I don't care. I mean, it seems... I yeah. don't know how you can be defending AMD and acting like, you know, that th- this there's, I don't, yeah, I don't know how you can be convinced that this was never a thing and didn't happen. I don't know how you can be so firmly in that direction, not like, hmm, a lot of things yeah, the, here don't add up. Um, I have questions. The timeline isn't convinced. It's the timeline is not convincing. Yeah, I, I, I just, is, I, I don't know how you can be so pro AMD and so on their side and like just defending them, like. They certainly look much more guilty than they look innocent. That's pretty much it for our topics for this one. Do you want to take a break? We'll come back talk about some other things that we've been up to sure. in our lives. All right, and we're back after that brief one-second break for people listening to the audio and, and video version to talk about what else has been going on. So obviously I've spent a fair bit of time this week at work <laughs> doing work-related things on Starfield. But outside of that, I did manage to find some time. It is coming into spring now. In, in Australia for mm-hmm. people who live in north the northern hemisphere you'll be very confused it is coming into the warm weather here in Australia um, which means it's time to get started on some garden tasks and various different things around the house so on the a couple of days ago I spent some time just fixing up my garage shelves and stuff had some very crappy shelves sort of built into the house from the a previous owner completely redid all that did a nice much nicer sort of tool set up make all my stuff much more accessible and things and then yeah started to yeah plant and sort of deal with our veggie garden and fruit trees and stuff some things are starting to to bloom nicely out this way last year I didn't get much of a yield from sort of my stone fruit trees and things like that so I'm hoping to get many more peaches and apricots and nectarines this year we got got some good good apples last year good yield on the apple trees citrus has been good this year but really trying to like optimize these trees let's say to get the best quality out of them which has been yeah sort of an interesting process i've sort of really been enjoying learning about that sort of thing and about gardening and making you know if you plant if you plant some veggies and some fruit you want them to actually be good so (laughs) so i've sort of been learning about that and yeah we'll see it we'll give you some veggie garden and fruit updates as the as the summer goes on out at my place we'll see we'll see what happens i planted some seeds not sure if those will work but we'll <laughs> not, i'm not confident <laughs> not confident in them but but um yeah it's been good it's been good to get outside the weather's been been apart from yesterday has been very good in general so getting out touching grass as people would say actually doing some things not the pc has been good nice well I would have liked to have done much the same, to be perfectly honest, except I spent most of the days where it was nice and sunny and you were outside and getting your green thumb on and doing all that good stuff. I was just coughing my guts up and trying to swap CPUs and graphics cards. So kind of a rough week and a half for me, nothing terribly exciting going on. Um, yes, Melbourne lost their final as well. Yeah, we don't, need, we don't need to talk about that at all. We can um, just focus on me being sick as a dog, actually. That's probably preferable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't really have... Well, actually, before I got sick, I did start making my big custom monitor frame thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yes, I think you talked about that in the previous podcast. Yes, yes, I mentioned I would be doing it, and Balin and I have been filming it, uh, and it would be done by now. But of course, you know, the last week and a half, which I've mentioned, uh, but I, I'd say we're we're well on our way. It, it seems like it's going to be successful. Um, so Ooh, I've I've put some, I've seen photos. some photos. Yeah, some photos are in the BTS section on the Harbour Unbox Discord, so you can get a bit of a, a sneak peek there. But a bit more work to go, a few adjustments I want to make to sort of really customize it to to my needs. But yeah, it's going well. And I'm I'm hoping that probably early next week, uh, or probably late next week, actually, I'll get into it and get it all finished. We'll finish filming it. We'll get the video together and you guys will be able to see that. But so that's something to look forward to. That's going pretty good. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm keen to see how that goes <laughs> and uh, comes together because the whole five monitor arm mount, you know, it's it's not something you can just buy off the shelf. And obviously we talked in the previous podcast about the issues of just buying the existing sort of Mm -hmm. options to do that. But it looks, it's pretty full on setup that's sort of custom for you. And that's always the best way of doing things. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's already a success. I'm wrapped with it. It's much better than what I had. It's working well, but yeah, a few tweaks to be made. Uh, Yeah. I wasn't sure how it would go if if it would be successful on the first go at it, but yeah, it's, it's come up really well. So I'm, I'm very happy with it. So I'm keen to show that off to everyone. Anyway, won't be too long now. Nice. Yeah, can you see the the final, how that comes, the sort of mm-hmm. the final uh, version? So pretty much it for this this Hard Run Box podcast. We're back at it. We're yeah. back at it. We'll be doing weekly episodes from here. I'd, I'd fingers crossed no one gets sick from here. <laughs> that would be nice. would be lovely. Um, if you enjoy these episodes, then please do consider subscribing to the Hard Run Box podcast YouTube channel. But if you are just listening to this via the, the audio versions as well, then thanks for subscribing putting into your podcast apps and obviously if you do prefer the audio version those are an option that's pretty much it again if you want to see those bts shots that is available for our patreon and float plane members so if you want to see some of the, the early things that steve was talking about then those will be in there for people that are members of the channel and yeah that's pretty much it not much more to say mm-hmm. so i guess thanks and we'll see you in the next one see you guys Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.